we're in our last week of Summer in the Psalms. And I've kind of held on to this one. It's like the, the most, not most, most, probably one of the most well-known psalms uh, that, that I, I'm going to start to say it and everybody's going to go like, oh yeah, exactly. Um, but before I get into it, here's, here's the, the, the thing that, we've been, that I've been saying every beginning of every message. Um, and it's this, Jesus' call is transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. Everything that we've been walking through with this Summer of Psalms series is is to show you that God's call on your life, the purpose of your life, is not to make you uh, create something that that isn't you. God wants to take who he has designed you to be and, and put it in a place that serves his purpose and his will. God doesn't want to try to recreate you. He created you. He has to work out some things in you to become the person that God has designed you. So Jesus's call is always to transform your life. It's to say, I've got the best version of Blake that I possibly can give, and I want to show you who that is. He wants to transform us, not change our identity. So, so let's jump into Psalms 23. It's six verses. It's super simple. And it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man. It's such a sweet psalm, but there's a lot of learning in that psalm. And and so I want to do my best to help break it down for you and not just give you education. Like, I believe that that giving you a, a deeper sense of the knowledge of God's word is good, but if I don't leave you with application. Because that's the reason why we come is to hear God's word. So how can I apply it to my life? How can I be challenged and changed for the glory of God when I leave this place? It doesn't do any good to act like Christians in the building if we don't walk out and we don't live it out. Amen? And so that's our goal. This psalm was more likely written in the later year of King David's life. It's, it's written from a mature, older man's standpoint, not the King David that was, you know, running around doing crazy stuff and, you know, all, all the nuts stuff that he did when he was early. This is written later on in his life. They say probably uh, 10 to 20 or 20 to 30 years into his uh, kingship, way later in his life uh, with some w- wisdom and maturing behind it. I love what Kingsley Manuel said. He says, Bible study without Bible experience is pointless. Bible study without Bible experience is pointless. Knowing Psalms 23 is different from knowing the shepherd. See, a lot of times, we, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's some of you that probably have this verse memorized, this whole chapter memorized. It's one of those ones that you love to memorize, right? And, and, but it's, and, and nothing, nothing against memorizing scripture. I think it's great because it helps you in those times. But there is a difference from knowing, knowing Psalms 23 and experiencing a shepherd. And so today, I want us to talk about what this psalm really means and what it looks like in our life every single day. So I got a few points, and the first point is simply this, and my points are really the verses. The first point is this, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. Now listen, for us, that may not mean much. Most of us, and I don't think any of us actually own a farm. My dad wants to, but he's not there yet. He's, he's got enough acreage to own a farm, but he's not, he's not, he's got two goats. That's hardly a farm, but it's getting there. We're talking chickens and cows and dogs and all sorts of fun stuff for him at some point, okay? Um, and I don't know, hay and pumpkins and potatoes and weird, I don't know, all, all sorts of stuff. But, but none of us are, are shepherds. None of us have, you know, sheep or, or coats, goats or, or, or cattle or anything. So when we, when we read this, this Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, it, it's kind of, we don't get it, right? I mean, we're, most of you, you go to the store, you buy your meat, you've never seen the process. If you did, you'd probably become a vegetarian, okay? But, but most of us don't know what it's like to be a day-in, day-out farmer, shepherd, have to go through the struggle. And so when we read, the Lord is my shepherd, it's cute, it's quaint, but we don't really have a connection to it. We don't, we don't really know what it means. You know, what is a shepherd? You know, the shepherd was the least um, valued job that, that you could have in a family that did this. King David, before he was king, he was a shepherd. He was the youngest of 12. And when Samuel came to anoint the next king, David's father didn't even bother to go get him. That's how lowly his job was in the family. There's no way it could be David. He's just a shepherd boy. See, we, we elevate shepherd boy. We elevate all, you know, like, because the Bible, hindsight 2020, like, we're like, oh, shepherds, they're amazing. Like, no, back in the day, it was like, shepherds, you're gross, you're nasty, you smell, your best friend baws at you. Like, listen, David didn't have friends. David had sheep. Like, those were his friends. He probably named them. That's Bob and Timmy and John and Susie, you know? That's, they were his friends. He walked with them, talked to them. He fed them. He, he took care of them, protected them. But shepherd was not a wanted position. You didn't like grow up and go like, I want to be a shepherd boy. You were appointed that because nobody else wanted it. And typically it was the youngest person in the family that became the shepherd in the family because nobody else, because they could say, well, I'm older. I don't have to be the shepherd anymore. But it was not this wanted job. But it's interesting that the Bible keeps going back and talks about shepherd and sheep. Shepherd and sheep. God, Jesus is the shepherd. David was a shepherd. It's such a valuable, important position spiritually, right? So what is a shepherd and what, is it, what does it look like? God's heart as a shepherd means to feed his flock, to guide them, to govern them, to defend them, to handle and heal them to tend and take care of them. See, the shepherd, he didn't just run down and, and, and run down to the store whenever they needed something. There was nothing. And so he was with them out in the middle of nowhere for, for days and months on end. If one of them got sick, he'd have to figure out how to help them. If, if one of them tried to, if, if, a, if, if a wolf or, or a predator tried to attack, then he would be the one to defend them. He'd be the one that keeps them together. He would be the one that would correct them with the staff, keep them on the right path. Now, here's the interesting part. I was watching a video last night about uh, what it means to shepherd, and I'm going to actually, you know what, I'm going to pause that because it'll make more sense when I talk about green pastures and, and the viewpoint of that because it, it was something really, really interesting that I learned last night. But here's the thing. We are sheep. Now, can I tell you the most offensive thing I ever heard about sheep? 
and us. And it was at a youth camp, and, and we just thought, we're like, I can't believe the camp uh, speaker just called us that. Now, I don't think we should call people this, but it makes a whole lot more sense now maturing in my life. But he looked at us, and he goes, you're like sheep, and sheep are dumb. And I'm like, oh, that speaker just called us stupid. It's like, that's rude. Now, here's the thing. Now, I would never call you dumb, because I know you, and I think that you're all pretty bright people, and, and we love you, and we, we want you to stick around. Um, but... The reality is, is that sheep are not the smartest animal in the animal bunch. They need somebody to direct them and lead them. They cannot defend themselves. You know, something, something starts gnawing on them, like, mm, something smells tasty. You know, like, they're, they're just not very smart. They'll wander off and do their thing. They can't, they really don't know where to go. They just, they're just wanderers. They need a shepherd. And so they, the God knew that, that just, that's why God calls us sheep, because he knows that on our own, man, we're just going to kind of go do our own thing. Like, hey, this felt good for the moment. I like this feeling. I like this feeling. And we get lost in our feelings and our emotions, and we wander off from whatever God has called us to do. And we're just like, hey, how did I get here? How did I get, how did I get in this place? How did I get on this addiction? How did I get to this relationship? How did I get in this mess? How many times have you ever said that? How did I get here? <laughs> it's because like sheep, we wander. We wonder, and without a shepherd saying, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't get involved with that group. Don't do this. Then we'll, we'll just kind of do our thing. We are his flock. He doesn't care from us from afar. Like, God is not this God going, well, no, dang it, there they are again. Just wandered off. God's up close and personal. And if he's not up close and personal, it's because, like Linda said, it's because we allow the lies of the enemy to say that, oh, we can't be connected. Oh, you, I, I'm walking through something. I just want to be by my, how many times have you, ever, have you ever said, man, I know I need to go to church, but you know what? I don't feel like being around people today. I don't, I don't feel like, like this is going to be beneficial. Man, I, I'm just, I'm just, in, I'm not in the right head place. Let me encourage you and let me challenge you on the same thing. Whenever you feel that way, that's when you need to go. Even more so than, even like if you get excited about church, that's great. Come, we can't wait. We want your excitement. But if you don't feel like being there, that's when you need to be there. Because God wants to do something. God wants to pour something inside of you and, and, and connect you. And maybe he needs to challenge and correct you on some things. But man, that is, the, anytime I feel like God, like whenever I feel my own emotions and thoughts going, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't go, I'm like, mm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask God what I should do. Because he's my shepherd. He's personal. And when God is personal, he will guide and lead you. God just can't be a theoretical shepherd to you. Well, I know he's my shepherd. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No, no, no. He cannot be a theoretical shepherd. You must allow him to be a personal one. Because here's the deal. God's going to lead me differently than he may lead you. He's going to speak to me differently than he may speak to you. That's the great thing about personalities and creativity is, is some, some people, man, they, they get touched by music and creation and creativity. Some people, they get touched by, by reading his word and, 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 and other books outside of that. Some people are big prayer people, and man, when they need to connect to God, they just, they just get in their little prayer closet, and they just go to town with God and just talk with him. God's going to talk to us differently, but if we just create him as a theoretical, out-there shepherd, then we will always miss the intimate moments with him. Too many of us imitate what it means to have a shepherd. Well, I go to church. Isn't that good enough? I, I even show up every now and then on a, on a first Wednesday prayer night. 
You know, I, I even joined one of them life group things once. But listen, imitating isn't as good as being intimate. And God says, I want you to be intimate with me. I want you to be personal with me. So what does that mean? What do I mean by that? Is that you could do all the churchy things and not have a relationship with Jesus. That's what that means. You could do all. Now, now listen, what I don't want you to do is start to question, oh my gosh, I go to church. Do I not know Jesus? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is showing up to church, doing the life groups, doing all of the, the community things is great, but there's got to be an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. There's got to be that quiet time with Jesus every day. And it doesn't have to be hours on end. Sometimes it's five minutes for me. I, I, I grab a devotion, I read it, and then I just spend some time in prayer. Sometimes the, I, don't, I don't get to sit down and have that time as far as in his word, but I'll throw worship music on or I'll throw some Christian music on, and, and that's all full of God's word. And it just speaks to me. And I have some time with Jesus every single day because my relationship with him is intimate and it's intentional. You know, that, that right after that, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. You know what that means is I decided not to desire more than what the Lord, my shepherd, gives. I don't need any more than what God is willing to give me. I'm not gonna, man, I wish I had more money in my bank account. What if, what if he knew that more money meant more problems, like the rapper said in the 90s? Maybe that's biblical, I don't know. Because it really, it, it, it and, and let me get twisted, just rabbit trail here real quick. You know, people in, in church will say, well, you know, money's the root of all evil. Don't let that lie hit your life. Because really what the Bible says is it's the love of money is the root of all evil. And what he was trying to say is, listen, if your life is in line with me in an intimate personal relationship, then you will always put something in front of me. And the love of anything is not what I have designed you for. The love of God first will put everything in proper perspective. So when, I, when he says, I shall not want, he's saying, I'm trusting my God to take care of all of my needs. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trusting God to take care of all of my bills. Not that you don't work. It's I'm trusting that I'm financially sound and I am uh, financially uh, wise with my money to trust God. I'm gonna trust God with my friendships. And if he tells me, hey, listen, that one you need to put a pause on that one because then I'm going to trust him. Or when I see everybody else buying new cars, which is one of those one things, you know, it seems like when, when people buy new cars, it seems like everybody, you see all the new cars in your life and you start going, maybe I need a new car. Maybe you do, but maybe you don't. What does God say? What does your pocketbook say? <laughs> what is it? Because, because listen, wisdom says, I don't need to keep up with people. I need to trust Jesus. I need to follow him. Listen, the Lord is going to take care of me. So I don't need to chase after things. I just need to put God in his proper perspective and I shall not want for anything else. The Lord is my shepherd. Will he be your shepherd? Not just a shepherd, your shepherd your personal, intimate shepherd. And then he says, it may, he makes me lay down. It's an interesting phrase right there. Makes me lie down. It's the next point. Oh, actually, I, I forgot that I had even added that in. Go back to that scripture that was there. I, I just, I, I threw this in here because there's a, there's a translation called the Passion Translation. I love how they put Psalms 23.1. Look at that. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. 
I'll always have more than enough. That's the goal. That God isn't just some God of the universe. He's my best friend. I don't just do it out of religion and I have to because I want to get to heaven, right? Because, you know, that's a lot better than the alternative. Um, But he's my best friend. I enjoy spending time with God. I enjoy spending time at church. I enjoy spending time with with his people. He's my best friend and he guides and leads me and I have more than enough. And and so that next point, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. See, the implication here is that sheep don't always know what it needs and what is best for itself. And so they need help from the shepherd who knows what is best and where it is. Sheep will just keep walking. They'll just just walk. (laughs) Keep going. Tired or not, they'll just keep walking. The shepherd knows when it's best for the sheep to sleep, where it's most protected, where it will be taken care of. And here's the interesting: it says, it, he makes me lie down. It, it's not us going to God and going, God, I'm so weary. I'm so tired. I need sleep. He's going, listen, you, your rest is coming, but you got to trust me. And there's times where you feel so busy and God's going, you need to rest. You need to slow down. You need to stop. I'm telling you, your your breaking point, you're going to walk away from some things or you're going to make some bad decisions if you don't rest. I found this interesting as I was studying about sheep, which is, you know, a weird thing to say. Sheep do not lie down easily. And they will not unless four conditions are met. This is the four conditions sheep need to lay down, okay? Okay. Because they, are, uh, because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If flies and parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. And finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. Those are the four things that sheep need in order to get rest. So here's the thing. Rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with these four things. Fear, friction, flies, and famine. Now it's interesting because when you go, what does that have to do with us? Is that, is that it, the reality is this, is that those are very, very similar other than flies, hopefully. Um, but they, you know, there's an implication there. Those four things are the things that, that we need for rest. We need to be dealt with fear. How many stay up night in, night out, day in, day out? They're worried, they're anxious, they're, they're struggling with fear and anxiety, and, and they're just struggling. Man, God, I, I would love some rest. I just need some peace in my life. I need you to lead me by the green pastures and make me lie down. And he's like, listen, if you don't stop stressing out, you're gonna have a heart attack. You gotta trust me. You gotta deal with friction amongst other believers, amongst, amongst the people. What does the Bible say? It says, it says, as much as it is on you, be at peace with people. And the shepherd knows that. She- flies, okay, if flies and parasites. If, if you're struggling with things in your life, mental health, health issues, things like that, is he your healer? And famine. 
See, God knew that, that when he said, I am the shepherd, you shall not want, he said, you've got to trust me in your life. You can't just keep, you can't listen. It, trust isn't just something we say. It's real easy to come to church and say all the right things. Man, I trust God, I trust God, I trust God. But it's another thing to live it out. It's another thing to go, God, I trust you, and here's my step of faith. Here's my step of, of believing the report of the Lord and, and not just the report of my bank account or, or the doctor. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you, know, you just act in faith and don't believe. No, no, no. We believe in our bank accounts because they tell us how we can spend. We believe in doctors. They're smart people. We believe in the wisdom of men, but we trust in the power of God. And so when we say we trust God, we have to put it into action. Sometimes it's, it's going against what you see and stepping out in faith and doing what God has told you to do. There is faith and trust from the sheep to the shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd has gained and earned their trust. Can I tell you that God has never failed me? Never failed me. In over 20 years of following him, God has never failed me. I mean, never failed me. There may have been times where I questioned him, but that was more on my end of faith. Do I, am I willing to take that step? Am I willing to believe? Am I willing to, when, when, when the unknown is in front of me, am I willing to take the step out there? Even though I don't see the next step, he says the, 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 the Lord is a lamp to my feet, right? So it may not be until my foot hits that ground that I know exactly where I'm stepping. Do I trust him? God, you have me. You want no harm to come to me, but I may have to walk through things that are scary. Too many of us want to trust God while keeping control of our life. We don't find rest when we don't live in faith and walk with trust. The next point is this. God restores and leads. Right? He says, he, says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. What does it mean to restore? It means to rescue a lost one. Remember the, the, the story in Luke? It was one that we founded this whole church on, which is that the shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one. Shepherds, once again, history lesson, shepherds would have like little junior shepherders with them. I don't know what they're called. They, obviously, I don't have a clue what I'm talking about when it comes to sheep and shepherds, okay? But they would have like other, the, typically they, they, there was one or two or three or four of them all together. And so if one of them went missing, the shepherd, the main shepherd would leave the flock and he would go after the one to restore them back to the flock because it wasn't, it, it wasn't good enough just to have most of his flock. He wanted all of his flock. He was a protector and a guide and a leader for them. And so he ran and he would restore that which was lost. And that is God's heart for each and every one of us. God wants to restore what was lost, what was broken. He takes what is broken and dirty and lost and he brings it back to wholeness, purity, cleanliness, and he brings it home. He restores. But listen, he restores, but then he leads. It says he, he restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness. He is a guide and an example. And listen, if you come to church and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you need to know how Jesus lived. You need to know what he called his disciples to do. Because here's the deal. Peter, John, Paul, Mark, all of them, they were disciples, but so are you. It didn't stop in the book of Acts. 
It didn't stop uh, with, with them writing the New Testament. You are the disciples of Jesus. You are followers of Jesus. And so you have this, this great opportunity to live it out in the world and be modern-day disciples for the rest of the world so they could see God's love. And so he guides and he leads me as an example. You are not your own to figure life out. You don't have to just, you know, just walk around and go, oh my gosh, what do I do? It's all in front of you. God's word is willing to lead you. God's spirit is willing to lead you if you'll tap into it. So here's, here's the point. God can't lead what you haven't allowed him to restore. Man, I just wish my finances were more in order. Have you given it to God? Have you trusted him with your finances? Or do you keep snatching it back every time it gets scary? God, I trust you. Ah, no, I don't. Are you willing to, to look past what you see to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on it? Maybe it means getting a financial counselor, somebody who can walk alongside you and go, Yeah, you spend way too much money here. I won't name it because I don't want to offend you. Okay? But some of us we do. We just we just don't realize it. Or or, or maybe you're like, man, I, I really wish that my marriage was better. But when's the last time you asked Jesus in the middle of your marriage? Or maybe when's the last time you put a godly relationship in the middle of your marriage and said, help us, please. Maybe you're dealing with something at work and you're just like, well, whatever. But when's the last time you invited God in the middle of it to lead you and to restore it? You have the greatest purpose in life when you are leading others closer to God, but you gotta allow God to lead you first. So God restores and he leads. And, and, and now we're getting towards the tail end of these, this psalm. And the next point is this, our favorite line, the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. If I promised you this afternoon you were going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how many would be like, sign me up? That sounds amazing. Here's the thing about that line is that it wasn't a mountaintop experience. It wasn't a, a, a field where you could just look out and go, oh, there's my enemy. We're going we're gonna to fight. It says that it was a valley, which means that it was at the bottom of something where you were enclosed on all sides. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in some valleys. We, we, uh, we did a, uh, a seven-day trip as a family one, one year, and we hit like six different national parks. And so we went to Zion National Park and Bryce Canyon. We went to the Grand Canyon and Yosemite. And, and, and we went hiking in there. Uh, and, and a lot of times you start out at the top and, and you walk down into these massive canyony areas. And you're like, how did I get down this far? And it's like just steep drop-offs on every side. And you're like, you know, if you're like me, like, listen, taking kids to places like Grand Canyon, it's not fun. At all. Like, my kids are like, look how close I am. And I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm like, I'm like, literally like, I'm like five feet from the edge trying to grab all my kids. Like, stay over here. Holding my wife's hand. She's like, oh, look. That's how people die. You know, those dumb people that's on the, on the edge of the, you know, they're like at the edge of a, a peak and they're like, oh, look, Instagram famous and, and really dead. When you get your 15 seconds of fame, ah, I don't do well. So when I hear valley of shadow of death, I, I envision that moment where I'm like, ah, it's not pretty. It's not fun. But we all encounter these moments in our life. But here's, here's, here's the hope in all of that. 
It doesn't say we live there. It doesn't even say we walk into it. It says we walk through it. I'm not walking into the valley of shadow. I'm walking through it. I already know where my end result is, and it is past the valley of the shadow. Walking through it. We don't face death, but the shadow, because Jesus already defeated death, hell, and the grave. I don't have to be afraid of the valley of the shadow of death because my shepherd has already gone before me. Whatever your valley looks like, maybe you're walking through a very tough time in your life. Maybe you're walking through a transition period. Maybe you're walking through a a, a hard mental uh, mindset in your life right now. I'm telling you right now, Jesus has already walked through it for you. So stop camping and start moving. I love the way that Psalms 23, 4 says it in the Passion Translation. It says it this way. Even, um, did I put it in there? Is that it? Yeah, that is, okay. Even when you're, well, I don't know why yours starts differently. We're gonna read this one. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. I love that line. Fear will not conquer me because you already have. Fear will not conquer me because God has already planted the flag of my life. And so I don't give fear room to have authority in my life. Well, what, what, what if I don't succeed the way I want to? Doesn't matter. God's got you. Did he lead you there? Do you not trust him? Well, what, 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 what if I... Listen, we could play the... I told somebody this the other day. We could play the what if game all day long. You know, here's the funny part about the what if game. You never go to the positive. Like nobody ever goes, man, what if this job is successful and I make a million dollars? Right? We never go there. Man, what if I buy this truck and it lasts me 30 years? No, we're like, well, what if I buy this vehicle and it breaks down next week? Are you trusting God? Well, what if I make a new friend and then they turn out to be like my worst enemy? Are you trusting God? Well, what, what, what if I, I, I do this new job or I, I join this new thing or, or whatever? We play the what if game and we always go to the negative. Can I tell you that that's not trusting God? Now, that's human, but it's not trusting God. Here's what I will say. If God leads you to it, he will lead you through it. Make sure it's God leading it to it. Don't, don't get all worked up in, in, in the details. Ask yourself simple things. God, are you leading me here? Man, listen, I, would, I could have talked myself out of Arkansas real quick. Real quick. But when God says do, I'm just dumb enough to go, okay, shepherd, Let's go. Why? Because over and over and over again in my life, he has never failed me. He has never steered me wrong. He has never done anything that he would make, even make me question whether or not he's got my best interest and his purpose at heart. And so I have learned not just from Bible, but from experience. Every time God tells me to do something, I'm going to trust him because he's not leading me into death. He's leading me through the challenges. I won't let the enemy speak fear in my life. Because I'm living from a place of strength and peace in God. And the gift of the shepherd's presence is though you may walk through death's valley, he's leading you and is with you and there's no fear because of faith. 
David recognized that under the shepherd's leading, he may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it isn't his destination or dwelling place. And here's the problem with most of us when it comes to the valley of shadow of death. We get into a situation where we trusted him at the beginning, and then we get in the middle of it, and it's really, really hard, and we just set up camp because we're afraid. Most of us don't allow God to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death because we get afraid in the middle of it, and we set up camp, and then we struggle, and we struggle, and we struggle until God finally says, are you done camping? I didn't call you to camp. I called you to walk through. In this season where we've seen things go crazy, gas prices are up, food's up, our paychecks aren't up. <laughs> paychecks have not followed in inflation. Are you trusting God? Or are you freaking out? In the middle of a, of a relationship issue, are you, are you trusting God? Or are you freaking out? At your workplace, when, when, they, when, when maybe your boss does something you don't like, are you, I'm going to quit. Listen, this happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was ready to quit, okay? Flat out. They, they, they changed the policy, and I was like, I'm done. I listen, I, when I, and, it, and it may sound petty to most of you. I won't even tell you what it is, okay? But I was texting my wife. I think I'm, I think I'm quitting today. She's like, what happened? <laughs> She's like, we kind of need that job. And I'm like, ah, no, we don't. <laughs> I'll trust God for something else. I'm done. Now, this is why I text my wife, right? Because she walks me back from the edge sometimes. She is like the extended Holy Spirit to me sometimes. But listen, if it was up to me, I would have, I would have like, I'm done. Here's my resignation letter. I'm, I'm out of here, Okay. But, but here's the thing. It's just because somebody does something to you that you don't like, it doesn't mean that you get to go, oh, I'm a baby and I'm going to change my whole world for it. Now, that's what the world tells us we do, right? If you don't like it, just get, him, get rid of them. Oh, man, Blake made me mad one time. He looked at me funny. So now I'm not going to be friends with him. This is what, listen, this is what the world tells us, right? Or they'll say, you know what? Confront him and tell him however you feel. No, 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 no. I'm trusting God in this relationship, and if this is a good relationship, then we're going to have to walk through some hard times in friendship, and so I have to trust God in that. Maybe, maybe that means that I actually have to go talk to him and say, hey, man, was, were you looking at me funny because I did something wrong, or does your, you know, your gut just like... <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works. I'm not going to let fear or this world define what the valley of the shadow of the death looks like because I'm trusting my shepherd to walk me through it. Psalms 23.5 says this, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Doesn't that, that just sound stupid? Like if I'm going to eat really well, I don't want to eat with my enemies. I don't want to, to have a blessing in the middle of a really hard time in my life. I just want to get the heck out of there and get to the next thing. It says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessing. I want to give you a visual of what this looks like. Okay, go ahead and put that picture up. All right. Some of you, this means absolutely nothing. Let me define this for you. The guy holding the gun is my good friend named Jim. Okay, Jim is, uh, he is literally the walking commercial for the most, uh, most uh, what's that, Dosecki's commercial, the most uh, uh, interesting man in the world, right? Uh, that's him. 
What, listen, I'm telling you, you've never met. Uh, he needs to like fly, fly down here and tell his test. He is the coolest, most interesting man ever in the world, okay? Uh, he's a retired fire battalion chief who decided that in his retired time, he was going to go help uh, uh, with a, a organization called Assist International that goes all around the world uh, helping with medical relief and water relief. Uh, they're a Christian organization called Assist International. So this was before he was full-time with them. This was when he was still a fire battalion chief. And uh, Assist asked him to go along in a, now listen, they don't go to cool places like, you know, they're not going to London or anything. They're going to like the heart of Africa and uh, the Middle East. They've got India, like places that really need help. So this was a trip where, I forget where they were going. I forget the destination. All I know is that he had to go through Afghanistan to get there in the middle of a war, 2009, right? Heavy fighting, all that stuff is going on. The guides that were with him were like, listen, here's the deal. We're going to enter Afghanistan through the mountains. Once we get there, we got no help. I'd be like, I'm out. Y'all ain't even paying me. Like, I'm doing this as a volunteer. No, I'm good. Like, can we go on a mission trip to the Bahamas? Boy, I did that. Um, Jim, on the other hand, is like, sign me up. So they get to going through the mountains of Afghanistan, and one of the only ways to go through is to go through heavily uh, Taliban uh, places. So they get through the mountains, and they get to the Taliban. I wish I had the other picture of him actually sitting around the table with them, but they invite him and his group in, and they say, we want to have lunch with you. Listen to me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, here's the deal. They handed him a gun like that in the middle of his enemies. Could you imagine knowing what, not, what happened at 9-11? being a battalion chief, knowing the pain of what some of those firefighters went to, and you are sitting in the middle of some Taliban leadership lunch. You've been invited in to sit with them and have lunch, and then they hand you a gun. Now, if you're like me, your first thought is, how many can I take out before they take me out? Now, can I tell you, I know Jim very well. I know that was his first thought as well. But he also knew that he was given an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And so he played it cool, had lunch with them, and moved on to continue to build relationships in the area where he could go in and he could minister the gospel through water and medical relief. They're bringing ambulances and all sorts of medical stuff over into the Middle East, into India, into Africa, and they're making a huge difference. That is what it means to have a presence pre uh, prepared in the middle of your enemies. It is when you are walking through some of the toughest times of your life that God is saying, I've got more for you, and if you will just trust me, I may put you in this place, but we're not done with you yet. God won't keep us from challenging times. So any pastor that ever says, oh man, once you come to know Jesus, it's gravy. Liars. Liars. He's going to walk you through the valley of the shadow of death, but he never said you were going to camp there. It was not your destiny. It wasn't your destination. It wasn't the place where you were to camp. You are walking through it to get to the other side of where God has for you. Don't hate the hard moments. Embrace them through God. You are anointed and filled with his presence and his spirit to take on all that you will walk through when you are connected to him. In his own spirit, he would have shot as many people as he possibly could have. But God said, I've got more. My last thought. 
the scripture ends with your goodness and unfailing love. Your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The promises of God will follow the presence of God. The promises of God follow the presence of God. So many of us, we don't feel the promises of God in our life because we're trying to do it on our own. We're on the struggle bus because we, we, we've been told, man, if you, just, if you just pull yourself up from the bootstraps, there's, listen, you can't pull yourself up from the bootstraps hard enough and long enough to do what Jesus can do in your life. He may have given you the smarts. He may have given you the physical capabilities. He may have given you these moments. But you can't live life without him. And you can't expect the promises if you're not connected to the promise giver. We, we chase God's hand when he just wants to be with us. If my kids, every single time they came up to me, they were just like, Daddy, can I have $5? If that was every single time, Daddy, can I have $5? Daddy, can I have $5? I would start to resent them. There ain't a parent in the room that would be like, oh yeah, man, I love it when the only thing that my kids want are money. You know what balances the daddy can I have $5? Is the daddy can I have some time with you? Hey dad, can we watch a movie? Hey dad, can I mow the lawn? I haven't gotten that one yet, but I'm just throwing it out there. Working on it. Working on it, believing in faith, stepping out in faith. See, see what, allows, what, what allows me to give out of my hard-earned life is because that is the, that is the belonging to me. That is my seed. That is, that is, that is my life given to, to my kids. And if all they wanted was my stuff, I would start to resent them. Thank God doesn't resent us. But, but as a human nature, I would. I'd be like, man, why? you know what? When's the last time you just said, hey, dad, you're cool? But what allows us to give as a parent, I don't ever, listen, if I added up all the stuff that just goes out of wallet into kid, it's the worst, in, worst financial investment, like just from a financial standpoint. But when you realize the life you're changing, and God goes, listen, I want to bless you, and I want, I want my promises to come from me to you, but it has to be more than you just asking. You have to be connected to me. You have to be connected to me. When we stay in his will, in his purpose, in his presence, then his promises, his goodness, and his character will follow. His love wants to shine not only in us, but through us. So when you read Psalms 23, I want you to see that picture. I want to bring you back to the green pasture part for a minute as we end. How many, when you read that scripture and you hear that, he makes me lie down in green pastures, you think of like fluffy green grass, flowers, you know that's not what the picture is? I was watching this, and it, it like, it, I mean, literally I had this moment last night, like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm watching this, this teaching, and I, my brain went, Pfft. because here's the thing. Go to Israel. The sheep 
don't hang out where the farmers are. So when they're growing wheat or they're growing things, they don't want the sheep there. Why? Because the sheep will eat their product. Where do sheep go then? The sheep and the shepherd have to be taken out into the dry and weary places. Okay, so, so when you're looking at it, you literally see like mountains of rock with these like ingrained lines where the, the sheep have worn out paths. And it looks like there's no food, nothing to sustain them. But the shepherd knows where to take them to give them sustenance for the day. It's a dry place, and, and, and so it rains, you know, very, very limited rain where, the, where they would take the sheep. And, but the cool part is the humidity off the Mediterranean Sea brings that humidity in. And so where, the, where these big rocks will be, it'll collect the humidity in the water, and it'll grow sprouts of green all around every rock in the area. And so though it looks like rock from a distance, when you get up close, there's these little spouts of green all around every rock. The shepherd knows where to take them. And the place is actually called, they call it the green pasture. It looks like dirt. There's no, like, you cannot see green. You see brown. So you have to get it out of your mind that God's taking you to this place that's just fluffy and good. And man, you're just going to, because if it was, you would never be challenged to do anything outside of the fluffy green. And you just lay down in a park and just lay there and just, such a beautiful day. Not in the south. It's hot. It's humid. There's fire ants. But you find that nice green patch and just, oh man, I can stay here all day. That's not what God has designed you for the green pasture. It is a place where I'm going to give you the substance for today. Oh, 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 you need my, you need my hand today. I'm going to give you what you need today. And then we're going to keep moving to the next green pasture so I can give you what you need for tomorrow. Bible says, don't worry, don't worry about tomorrow on today's food. So many of us, how are we going to handle tomorrow? I don't know. Let's get there tomorrow. Let's trust God for tomorrow, but in the moment, I'm going to trust God today. His goodness and his unfailing love is going to follow me. So how do we change the world? We show people the love that we were designed for. We walk them through a Psalms 23 lifestyle. We trust the shepherd We trust the shepherd. And we allow him to walk us through this beautiful life. I'm not going, I may see the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not, I'm not meant to stay there. I'm walking through it. Will you pray with me? With nobody looking around, I'm just curious and just so I can pray for you myself. Maybe you're walking through a valley of the shadow of death moment in your life and you need prayer. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Don't camp there. Trust God. Maybe you've been walking through life and you've been trying to do it on your own and God's saying, trust the shepherd. Follow my voice. My rod and my staff, they will protect and guide you. They will correct and challenge you. They will equip you and give you grace and love for the moment. So God, I pray for us today that God, that we would trust you, trust the shepherd, that you would, you would lead us from green pasture to green pasture to get the the things that we need for the day to strengthen our spirits, to be able to focus and face the valleys 
God, we're not camping there. We're walking through them. I'm not camping in the hard times. I'm not camping in the places where it seems like everything's gone wrong. I'm not camping where my, my, my finances are a mess. I am walking through those moments and trusting you that you are guiding and leading me to a greater destiny. And God, I love that, that, that the, in, in Psalms 23, it says that everything we do isn't for our glory. It's for your namesake. It's for your glory. And so, God, we live lives to show the world how good you are and your love and kindness. God, meet our need today. Speak to our heart today. Bring healing to those that need it today. God, bring encouragement to those that need it today. Lift up a, a voice inside of them that, that shows them that they are a son and a daughter of the Most High, and they do not have to walk with a heavy burden or a heavy heart or a, a twisted mindset. That You can heal and touch and take away, and you can bring them closer to you. We love you, and we thank you, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. 